Welcome to the Give Back Economy, a podcast about social innovation and social enterprise. Now, with your host, Peter Miller. <laughs> Welcome back, and today we have a very interesting uh, entrepreneur from out west who is a social innovator and runs a very interesting social enterprise. Her name is Lisa Dixon-Wells, and welcome. Thank you, Peter. It's a a pleasure to be here. Okay, so let's start out with a little bit about your education, post-secondary. Where did you go to school, and what kind of courses did you take? All right. Well, I very much followed in my mother and my brother's footsteps. Uh, I went to University of Calgary and started with the ultimate goal of becoming a teacher. So I did my kinesiology degree and then a two-year Bachelor of Education B.Ed. after. Uh, Had my education degree for six or seven years and worked as a school counselor in Portage-la-Prairie, Manitoba, first of all, and then I became a district elementary school counselor in Golden, B.C., uh, with the Golden School Division, which at that time was one of the largest school divisions in the country. And uh, I just found that I loved being a counselor, but I found that I just wasn't prepared for some of the issues that were being presented to me back in the early 90s. So I came back to University of Calgary, and did my master's in educational psychology. And the focus then was how could I, as one person, have the biggest impact in a school or in in an organization? So it was comprehensive guidance was my sort of my, my, uh, my strong suit. So that's a combination of both your schooling and your work experience. Right, right. Well, what was interesting is uh, I had this idea as I was going into my master's program that there really at that time in the mid-90s was nothing. There were no resources for administrators or counselors or teachers on bully prevention. There truly was nothing. And as I started my master's program, I had a really – brilliant, brilliant supervisor, Dr. Brian Hebert, who allowed me to start really building the Dare to Care program while I was doing my master's program. So he sort of tweaked some of the assignments, et cetera, to allow me to do a lot of research into the best practices that were were out there in the area of uh, well, in the area of bully prevention, but also in brain development, community building, uh, empathy, everything that I needed to build a build a strong program. So somewhere along the line, you came up with this idea of starting a business, mm-hmm. which had to be a little foreign to the background <laughs> that you went through. Absolutely. I mean, I had no business background at all. And, and at the same time, uh, I had two young children and I was going, well, I, I just wasn't quite sure what I was doing, but I had a great idea. I knew that the idea was solid and it was needed, very, very much needed. And I never saw it growing into what is, what Dare to Care has now become. Uh, I just thought it would be something that I could do on a part-time basis, really. And where did the name come from? <laughs> 
Um, I've always loved to just sit and brainstorm in my own head. So I don't know if you call that a brainstorm, but in my own head, just sort of play with words to come up with fun sayings, etc. And so when I had developed the program, I think I was probably three quarters of the way through developing the, the entire program. I wanted a catchy title and what kept coming up in my mind was the courage it takes to stand up for yourself or the courage it takes to stand up for somebody else because that's what Dare to Care is all about. It's really about mobilizing the masses, uh, this, what we call the silent majority, and, and get them speaking up. They don't have to change the world, but just they need to, to speak up a little bit. So the courage piece kept playing in my head, and then, of course, it's all about caring, and just the Dare to Care came to me one night of, you know, it's a challenge to everybody to really care. Don't just talk about being empathetic or standing up for others, like really challenge yourself to be, to put that into action. So Dare to Care was born. So what does Dare to Care do? So Dare to Care is a uh, bully prevention program for kindergarten through grade nine. And it was built on the idea, well, first of all, it was created out of a, a, a desperate need to address the issue of bullying and mental mental health um, in, in our schools. That's where it started. And as a school counselor, I was always a kindergarten, a K-9 school counselor. So I wanted a program that was about early prevention and early intervention. So when I was developing it, uh, the, the Dare to Care program, I wanted to focus on K-9 rather than high school, again, to get in early. And, and when I say to get in early, it was to work with students to provide them not only with a common language and an understanding of what bullying actual, actually is and how it differs to day-to-day conflict or mean moments that we all have, what bullying really is, and then give them the tools to help themselves or help others. But I also realized as I was developing the program that the only way that we could be successful in mobilizing children to do the right thing is if we also mobilize the adults in their care. So whether it's parents, whether it's teachers, educators, coaches, um, volunteers, adults also needed to understand what bullying truly was and how they need to intervene effectively. So the Dare to Care program, we say fully comprehensive program, meaning we work with all the stakeholders within the school community, the teachers, the administrators, uh, lunchtime supervisors, bus drivers, et cetera. But we also work with the parents in that community and then obviously the students as well. And you've also taken a look at sports bullying. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, a couple of, uh, my, my background is sports. I was on the Canadian national swim team in the early 80s and uh, live for sports. I still compete nationally as a master's swimmer. We call them old, old lady swimmers. But, um, you know, sport is very, is something very important to me. And a couple of years ago, I was uh, approached by the University of Calgary Swim Club, a very, very large, large swim club, one of the largest in Canada. And they asked if I would help with their code of conduct that make it a little more um, clear-cut, simpler, and something that they could follow through on. And I said, well, why don't we take it one step further? 
if I can get the funding, how about we do a pilot project in sport and I'll adapt our school-based program to the sport culture and I'll work with all of your athletes, all of your parents and all of your coaches. But in return, what I wanted was some data. I wanted them to do pre-post surveys. I, I wanted to make sure that this was going to uh, transfer well and be effective in the sport community. And we were absolutely blown away with the with the results. So that was all I needed to, you know, take charge and and it, expand our our program into the amateur sport world. Well, let, let's talk about another area that really is hot right now: is bullying on social media. Yeah. How, how do you use your program address that kind of issue? Well, one of the great things about Dare to Care and what I'm I'm so very proud of is, you know, we've been around for 21 years and we've seen the changes. Uh, Cyberbullying was something that we actually started to talk about back in 2005, 2006. Now, it was easy back then because back then that was before mobile phones. That was before, you know, most of the social media, Facebook, Instagram, etc. So it really boiled down to, hey, parents, um, you know, that one family computer that you have, well, make sure it's in a high traffic area and check in on your kids and what they're doing on occasion. It, it was pretty, pretty basic cyberbullying tips. But because we were in early on in the world of cyberbullying and seeing what was going on and how it was advancing and, and how it was morphing as more and more people became uh, involved in social media, and obviously almost everybody has a, a mobile phone now, we were able to really transfer that well into our program. We basically come down to working with the parents and helping them understand what their kids are involved in and helping their kids help their kids, helping the, the parents help their kids to sort of maneuver through the social media um, web and not get caught up in cyberbullying and the tips for parents on how to help their child if they see them, you know, going astray. But more importantly than that was the idea that while parents are the number one line of defense when it comes to protecting their child on on social media and, you know, the importance of parents being responsible and being involved in their children's social media platforms, etc., we also realized that the children themselves of any age have to hold themselves accountable and have to be able to self-monitor monitor their own use because the parents aren't going to be around all the time. So we came up with something called the three door challenge, which is really just three questions kids of any age and, and adults, quite frankly, should ask themselves before they post, share, comment on anything online. Um, and the three door challenge is just really there. I'll give you the, the bare bones of it is the first door there's a, there's three doors, and on each door is a question. The first question is, could you say this to the person's face? And if what it is you're about to post or share is something that you'd be comfortable saying to that person's face, then go ahead through door number one. You're, you're good to go. Door number two is, how would you feel if somebody posted these things or said these things or shared these pictures of you online, how would you feel? So the empathy piece, having kids sort of step back and put themselves in somebody else's shoes for a moment. 
Um, and door number three, the big door, which is basically, could you stand in front of all of your classmates or all of your teammates? Could you stand in front of all of your teachers, your coaches, your parents, your loved ones, and the police and show them what it is you're about to post or share or comment and be good with that? And if the answer is yes, then go through door number three, you're good. You can you can go forward with whatever it is you're doing online. But you've got to go through uh, those three doors. And I've just got to tell you a little anecdote. A few years ago, I was sharing the three-door challenge with a grade nine group. Uh, there was about 200 of them in the gym. And we were going through all the three doors and a uh, boy put his hand, a young man put his hand up, a grade nine student, and I thought he was one of the teachers. You know, he's like six foot three, full beard. Um, he put his hand up and he said, oh, ma'am, my mom told me to ask myself before I post anything. She said, ask myself, would grandma be proud of me? And I thought, wow, that's it. That's it in a nutshell. It's could you show grandma everything you're doing online and be okay with it and grandma would be proud of you and it the answer is yes, then you're good. So I guess that's my long-winded way of saying that as much as adults need to be aware of what kids are doing online, the kids themselves need to be able to self-monitor and need to have the skills to do that. And a lot of those kids uh, depend on their buddies. And uh, well, that, that's, that can be a big issue in terms of, you know, getting support from their friends Right, right. Well, and, and are you talking like peer pressure? Well, both peer pressure involved? and peer support. Peer support, for sure. And and I guess that's that's part of, you know, our hope at Dare to Care is that what we're doing is providing kids and adults, but kids mostly, um, with the skills, equipping them and mobilizing youth with these skills and the courage so that they can prevent bully, bullying so they can thrive in life and learning and play and they can help their friends thrive in life and learning and play. So they the kids helping kids idea. So how many schools have you actually run this program in Lisa? Well, we, it varies every year based on funding, funding that schools get, et cetera. Um, also, you know, we're, we're expanding prior to COVID. We were expanding out east and doing some pilot projects in Ontario, which obviously would increase the number of schools we're involved in. But on average, um, we are working in about 100 schools a year. We're a pretty lean organization. There's only three facilitators. So about uh, 100 schools a year, but we're going multiple times. So, you know, working with the the staff one day on professional development, doing parent sessions, and then, you know, depending on the size of the school, sometimes a small school, we can do the entire school in one day doing the, you know, the education piece for the students. Um, larger schools, we might do two or th- spread it over two or three days. So, yeah, on average, I would say 100 schools. We actually reached our one millionth participant uh, in January of this year, which was a huge milestone for, again, a very small, lean organization. Um, but, you know, as we all know, everything came to a very sudden halt in in mid-March when schools and, of course, sport organizations shut down. So you had to pivot. And what does that we look did. like in terms of kids yeah. to dare? 
Dare to care. Um, dare, dare, well, sorry, dare to care. What's what's the pivot that you find <laughs> necessary? Well, you know, after a few days of being just numb about what was happening and not knowing what was going to happen, it became pretty clear to me that even once schools and sports were opening up again, that third-party organizations or programs such as Dare to Care, uh, it would still be a very, very long time before we would be invited back to do face-to-face or in-person workshops. So our pivot at Dare to Care, like many other charities like us and or in small businesses, um, our pivot was to the virtual world to create an online program that would capture the impact of our in-person and keep the empathy and the relationship building, you know, package as best as we could our in-person program to be delivered again through classroom teachers or virtually for kids who are learning at home. So the pivot, the virtual program that we've created is right now focused for K-6 to students. And there's eight learning modules. And the beauty of that is what, what it, the virtual program allowed us to do is to take all of the important aspects of our student day and expand on them through eight learning modules. And we've also got the parent modules and the professional development modules that we hope to have complete and ready to license to to market uh, to launch I guess is the proper word in late September so we're very very excited about that and more than anything excited about how far we will reach with this virtual program again with only three facilitators we were pretty limited we simply couldn't accommodate all the communities that were contacting us across the country or even beyond Canada. So this will allow us to expand into untapped demographics, such as homeschool associations to other organizations, but it will also allow us to get into those communities far, you know, north, northern communities, uh, far-reaching communities that the cost of travel just inhibited uh, that school community bringing us in. Okay, now we get to a tough question. Okay. Three years from now. Yeah. Where will your organization be? What will it look like? Will it be multilingual? Will it be global? Will it be in Mm -hmm. uh, 10 provinces, the territories, etc.? In my head, it will be global. It will be multilingual. It will expand beyond just the school virtual program and we'll, you know, we'll have the virtual program for sports as well and possibly, well, maybe I'm biting off way too much, uh, but again, realize this is in my head, the idea of the, the workplace, which is an, another untapped demographic for us. So uh, the potential in three years, five years is unlimited to what we can do with the virtual program because the, the bullying is bullying is bullying. The, the definition stays the same regardless of what demographic you're working with. The way that you effectively deal with bullying and mobilize everybody to speak up, it, it's the same. So it's just about adapting our well-versed program into different demographics. So I think it will 
maybe three years is a bit uh, a bit too hasty to say it will be global, but ultimately that that will be the goal. Well, that's great because uh, when I look back at the workplace that I was in, I was definitely bullied, and yeah. I had nowhere to go to uh, yeah. to help with that. I couldn't yeah, make sadly, appeals to anybody, or I couldn't go to a supervisor and right. say my supervisor right. is bullying me. So yeah. I, I definitely and, see the workplace as a oh an for sure, and and bullying has no age limits, right? And little bullies grow up to be big bullies, and we have to work with them and or live with them, or you know they're our neighbors. So I still really my passion is in early prevention and intervention so that these young kids grow up to be more respectful and and more than anything the 79 percent of us who stand by and watch actually become mobilized before issues of of bullying escalate like that's my goal with dare to care is let's start young and give them the common language and the tools and support to do that uh but you know human nature is humans are competitive in nature and can be somewhat aggressive. I don't think we'll ever, I think it's false to say we'll ever be rid of bullying, but we can certainly, you know, stop tiptoeing around the 2% who do it and start, you know, mobilizing the, the masses who, who want to make change. And that's whether it's in the workplace or like I said, in sports, in schools. So again, unlimited opportunity for dare to care. And that's what's so very exciting. And I think more than anything right now, uh, I've got to build a, a team, an advisory team that helps us get to where we're very capable of getting. And that leads to my next question. In order to achieve the vision and the mission mm-hmm. that you have, what are three key things that you need to make this happen? Uh, well, one would be human resources. Um, I've got an incredible board of directors uh, a lean group of board of directors and incredible facilitators, but together we don't all have the expertise, particularly in this new direction of the virtual world and, and how to launch and, and market uh, and grow in that area. So we need, as I said, advisory team to who've got that experience and that expertise to help guide us um, to and I hate to say this, but it always does come down to financial resources. Um, we've been without any revenue since March 15th, but through long-term sponsors slash donors of Dare to Care, we've been able to raise the funds very quickly to get this initial virtual program out there. But we want to continue to grow the virtual program, which will mean require continual funding being sourced into that. Um, the third one, I guess, is that's a, that's a tough one. We've got the program and we've got the history that backs up the efficacy of our program. I guess it's just finding the way through our advisory committee, which is yet to be formed, but find the way to uh, get in front of the right people who say, you know, this this is the program that should be 
truthfully, in all schools, in all sport organizations, in all workplaces, because it's very action-oriented. It's not just an educational program. It's very action-oriented. So I guess in a nutshell, those three three things. And it goes across uh, all subjects. It's not uh, specific right. subject-related. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's wellness, right? It's about It's about creating developing the whole person not just in the sport world you know focuses on developing the the mental aspect of training but and the physical aspect of the, the great athlete but we're missing a very very important piece and that is the the total well-being the total athlete that's going to work out each day or going to competitions feeling like they have a sense of belonging on their team, feeling like, you know, they, they contribute, that they give back, all of these very important pieces. And that's true of students. That's important of employees in a workplace, you know, feeling a sense of belonging and feeling a sense of, of wholeness. So, uh, you know, it, it's sad to, it's sad to think of how little we focus on the whole human being in any aspect and the interesting thing is when you started 20 years ago, you weren't a social enterprise. And you had no clue what a social enterprise is. Right, right, and, and today right. you are a very strong social enterprise giving back to community. And that's, that's what's yeah. extremely yeah. valuable about what you do. So, right. Well, and thank you. Thank you for saying that. So, Lisa, how do people uh, reach your organization? Yeah, well, I think first and foremost, if they're interested in what they're doing, um, we have a very, I think, complete website that, that outlines everything. So it's just www.daretocare.ca, and the, the two in the Dare to Care is spelled out. It's not the, it's not the number. Um, it also, I'm always happy to talk to people, send them additional information so they can contact me at either my email, which is Lisa, L-I-S-A, at daretocare.ca, or they can uh, give me a call at 403-620-5156. Calls aren't always easy for me to get back to right away, so my preference would actually be email, and they can email through our website as well. And the important thing is you're doing something that society really needs and it's something that can really make a difference, make a change in uh, communities and in families. I, I truly believe that, and actually we, we have the stories to back that up, that we're, we're not only changing lives, we're, we're saving lives through the work we're doing. So it's... Uh, you know, it's, that's what allows me to stay energetic and passionate, even through COVID, you know, to just keep finding a way um, to leave a legacy. And last question. What do your kids think about what you're doing? Oh, I, you know, they used to make fun of me a little bit because I'd come home and practice, uh, I call it ha-ha so, which is a mnemonic device. Each of the letters stands for one of the skills we teach the kids on, you know, how to ask for help, etc. And they used to walk around the house going ha-ha so and making fun of me a little bit. But now that they're adults, uh, I I know they're very proud of me. They've told me that. And um, my daughter's been 
very much influenced by it and is just completing her her undergrad in arts focused on psychology but going on to do a uh, master's in social work and currently is working part-time with very I'm going to say uh, what's the word mislabeled misunderstood mistreated kids Um, she her her passion is exactly where my passion is well you've obviously made a difference in the schools with your children and with the community. So thank you very much for joining us today, Lisa, and we wish you well for the future. Thank you so much. It was lovely talking to you.